21. A recent study from researchers at Harvard Medical School estimates that motorcycle rallies are associated with a 21% increase per day in organ donors in places where those rallies and cycle accident deaths occur. This is Pulse Check, and I'm Megan Wilson. An Alzheimer's drug under FDA review has shown moderate gains against cognitive decline in the early stages of the disease, but has also raised safety questions after some of the patients developed side effects and two people died. Patient advocates are clamoring to find a treatment for the disease, for which there is no cure. Senator Mike Braun, a Republican from Indiana, has filed paperwork to run for governor. This opens up a key spot on the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, also known as the HELP Committee, after 2024. Braun has worked on issues involving hospital price transparency and the FDA's approval process for both drugs and medical devices. And... Democratic governors in some states, like North Carolina and Kansas, are set to take another run at expanding Medicaid next year. Joining me to talk through this is Megan Messerly. Democratic governors are trying again to expand Medicaid uh, where they've failed in the past. You know, why do they think this could happen now? It's really interesting. So in both North Carolina and Kansas, Democratic governors there, so that's Roy Cooper in North Carolina and Laura Kelly in Kansas, are taking this pass again at Medicaid expansion. Now, this year in North Carolina, lawmakers actually got pretty close. Um, Republicans had for a long time been opposed to Medicaid expansion. One time, Governor Cooper actually vetoed the budget because it didn't include Medicaid expansion, so it's been very contentious in North Carolina Mm -hmm. for some time, but Republicans are now actually on board. So Governor Cooper, I spoke with him and and he said he's pretty optimistic that it's going to get passed this year. Of course, there's been some deal making. The Republican Senate leader wants these other healthcare policies folded into the conversation. And so we've seen that deal sort of reach a standstill right now. Mm -hmm. But the big thing driving this conversation broadly is just the current moment that we're in. So, you know, for one, there's just this growing body of data on the program's success, especially in in red states. That's convincing some Republican lawmakers that this is a good idea. Like the Republican Senate leader I mentioned, Phil Berger, told me he's been opposed to this for quite some time, but now he's actually come around on the issue and he sees the economic benefits of this. And and to that point, a real financial help for states to pass Medicaid expansion um, because there's these additional dollars that come along with it for the expansion. And then as part of the American Rescue Plan, Congress gave states an additional financial incentive to pass Medicaid expansion. And so a lot of folks on the ground in these states and then, you know, experts I'm talking to at the national level say that as states really get into their budget next year and are looking at their budgets, you know, staring down a possible recession, you know, this could really tip the scale in some of these states where Medicaid expansion has failed to pass in the past. That's really interesting in talking about, you know, the influx of of federal dollars and looking at this data. Um, We've also seen most recently in South Dakota in the midterms, citizen-led changes to Medicaid expansion. South Dakota most recently. So it seems like the public sentiment about Obamacare and Medicaid expansion uh, is changing in the 12 years since the law passed. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, there was obviously, and still is, I should say, uh, some political resistance to Medicaid expansion. You know, one, because it was part of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. You know, two, because it is expanding a, a government program. Mm-hmm. But we have seen a lot of public support for this in the polling that's been done. Uh, like you mentioned in, in South Dakota, the vote by the people to, you know, expand Medicaid um, in a state where Republicans performed very well. So I think that's given Republican legislative leaders in states where Medicaid expansion has yet to pass. And I should say there are 11 states that have yet to expand Medicaid. But it's really given those legislative leaders the sense that like this is something the public really wants. And then a mm-hmm. lot of the concerns that Republicans have expressed for, for a number of years, the federal government gives this um, enhanced 90 percent federal matching rate for the expansion population. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of concerns that, you know, the federal government might repeal that or decrease that amount and sort of pull the rug out from under these states. But that, you know, that hasn't happened. You know, I was talking to folks who've said, you know, we've had a Republican president, we've had a Democratic president, we've had a Republican-controlled Congress, a Democratic-controlled Congress, we're about to have a split-control Congress, and Congress has not shown any desire to change these. And so that argument has sort of fallen by the wayside. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other argument is that a lot of Republicans had you know, this concern that this policy would really disincentivize able-bodied adults from getting jobs. But, you know, what a lot of the Republican lawmakers who are supportive of these proposals told me is that they've really seen this as a way to, you know, help some of their lower wage workers who who work in maybe like service industry jobs where they don't qualify for health insurance, Um, their company doesn't offer it. And so this is a way to help those sort of working adults, you know, really be able to afford the cost of, of their health care. So we've gradually seen this, you know, Republican opposition to Medicaid expansion soften. We'll be right back. When we talk about federal matching funds, can we just, you know, back up and take an overview of what Medicaid expansion means for states? Right. So, you know, under Medicaid expansion, which again was passed as part of the Affordable Care Act, it initially was a mandate for states and the Supreme Court said, no, you know, you, you can't do that. States aren't obligated to participate. Um, it's an mm-hmm. option. Uh, but basically, the federal government gave states a lot of extra dollars to expand Medicaid to cover up to 138% of the federal poverty level. Mm-hmm. The current matching rate for that was higher, but it titrated down over time. So it's at, you know, 90% right now. Mm-hmm. And it's worth noting that's, you know, much higher than the federal matching rate that states get for their sort of traditional Medicaid population. So the idea is that it was supposed to be this carrot to really incentivize states. Um, You know, they're getting a lot of federal funds. They still did have to put some state dollars toward it. Um, But the idea is that, you know, the the federal government would would cover some of the burden of that. So we've talked about the potential budgetary impact for states, but how much money generally does this bring in for states if they choose to, you know, opt for Medicaid expansion? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. So the one state I'll use as an example is Wyoming. Of course, Wyoming is, you know, a super tiny state. Um, Medicaid expansion would impact about 19,000 people there. But health officials there, there was actually a hearing last week on this, and state officials projected that Medicaid expansion would actually save the state a net $32 million over the next two years. And it's worth noting why that is. So I mentioned the 90% matching rate. But also, you know, Congress as part of the American Rescue Plan, 
pass this additional five percentage increase to the matching rate, even for the traditional Medicaid population. So basically that means that states are getting more money for the folks that are already enrolled in Medicaid, which is why state officials actually project this net savings for the next two years. Now it is worth noting that five percentage point increase um, only exists for, for two years. So it'll, it'll go away. But again, this was sort of another benefit um, Congress passed to try to get states to adopt expansion. And then we've talked about all this momentum, how the sentiment is changing, but you also did mention how, you know, there are still some hurdles that exist, including, you know, potentially bringing in other healthcare measures into the debate that may complicate getting Medicaid expansion through. Can you just talk a little bit about what some of these hurdles are and getting this across the finish line? Yeah, so it's not going to be all smooth sailing for these governors. So in in North Carolina, um, the Medicaid expansion deal has tied to, has gotten tied to this other proposal over the state certificate of need laws. Those laws prevent hospitals from adding new services. Basically, they have to get permission from the state if they want to add new services or expand or you know acquire another healthcare entity. And so North Carolina Senate leader would really like to see those two proposals tied. But right now, lawmakers haven't been able to reach a deal over that. Mm -hmm. Looking at Kansas, you know, the biggest challenge is that, you know, the current legislative leadership remains opposed to Medicaid expansion. You know, I am the Senate president, Ty Masterson, you know, in a statement to me basically said, This is not a mandate for Governor Laura Kelly to enact some of these policies. You know, he said, quote, nowhere in the election was there a message to lurch to the left or grow government by expanding (laughs) Obamacare. So a lot of this, um, you know, again, traditional opposition we've seen to Medicaid expansion still exists in Kansas. And then I should mention as well, a third state, Wyoming, moderate Republicans there are taking another shot at Medicaid expansion, you know, sort of believing that the state's changing economy. Mm -hmm. Historically, Wyoming has been really dependent on the mining industry. It's increasingly dependent on tourism. A lot of those are service sector jobs that don't come with robust health insurance benefits. So a lot of Republican lawmakers are on board with this, but it's a question of whether there are enough to actually get this proposal through. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, Annie Rees and Brooke Hayes are our producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. And I'm Megan Wilson. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.